Welcome to Unsubscribed. I'm your host, Barbara Seaman, and this is a show for women that want to let go of their childhood conditioning and create for themselves an authentic life. We are here to discuss all things about motherhood, raising children, being in your 40s, and most importantly, unsubscribing. We are here to support each other, love each other, and share information for each other. So if you like the show, please subscribe. This way, you'll never miss an episode. And also, feel free to share it anywhere online so your friends and family can listen to it too. We're all in this together, ladies. Let's do this. And one more thing before we begin today. Please keep in mind that I am not a journalist or a professional interviewer. I am just a curious girl that's chatting with some really interesting women, and I am bringing our conversation to you, even if it's messy. So with that being said, I really hope you enjoy today's show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm so excited to bring you this episode. We have with us Meredith Bruff, who is a mother of five, and she is a pediatric sleep coach who loves infants and young children, and she truly understands them. She also adores working closely with mothers. So during the last six years, Meredith has developed this baby-centered sleep system to improve sleep for all temperament types with a tear-free nurturing sleep method. So Meredith hosts also a podcast called The Sweet Slumber Podcast, where she instructs new sleep coaches, mentors, and guides, and helps everyone as they fine-tune their abilities and get their businesses thriving. So I'm so excited to bring her on the show today because I know I have a lot of young mother listeners. And so I think the information she shares today is going to be really valuable for all of you. So welcome to the show, Meredith. I'm very happy to have you here. Please go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us whatever it is you'd like us to know. Okay. Well, thank you. Hello, everyone. Um, you know what? That's a pretty good uh, summary of, of who I am, but um, I definitely value my family the most. So being a mom of five, I'm actually a grandma too, just of one little baby and been married for 27 years, which is, you know, it takes some work. So I'm proud of that too. Um, proud to be a business owner because I really don't have much background when it comes to, you know, the business world with schooling or anything like that. So made from scratch. Um, my, my expertise even comes from just working with children for 30 years and being a mom of five. That's where um, the talent and ability came from. And then of course, experience over the last six years running my business and being uh, <laughs> sent many, many difficult cases um, the specialty that I have um, is working with spirited and sensitive kids most of all. And I bring that up just because it is much more challenging to help them sleep well. They're naturally dependent and affectionate and they love nursing to sleep. They love sleeping in their parents' arms. So it's extremely challenging. And a lot of the advice that's out there is geared towards the easiest kids. So so the parents really need me and I love being able to bring them hope and change their lives. It's a pretty big deal. Yeah, it sounds like a big deal. And in fact, I'm really wishing that I had you 21 years ago when <laughs> we had our first child and um, I, I don't know how to rectify the situation. He is such a mild mannered, easygoing, gets along with everyone sort of person, but as a baby, he was a real handful. He cried <laughs> so much. Oh. And we were absolutely sleep-deprived monsters. And so my husband and I, the strategy we took was every other night. It's your yeah. night to suffer and it's my night to sleep. And then we switched. Well, and that was smart. the only way we got through it. So um, can you tell me a little bit about how do you understand the temperaments of these babies. Because like looking at my my son, my 21-year-old son now, I'm like thinking he's not that same temperament now as he was yeah. as a baby. So how do you figure that out? 
Well, first of all, I got to tell you that all of your love and support and patience with him is what helped him thrive and be so healthy and obviously well adjusted and, you know, loved and functioning well. Honestly, that's it's just a really important thing for parents to know. They they don't realize how much being there and supporting and comforting and just naturally, you know, being yourselves as parents who really love and adore your children, that really helps them change and and become um, happy and outgoing and adventurous. All you know, does that make sense? It's so cool, but I, I, there's just not much emphasis on that. Um, most of the time, it's about survival and what can you do to get through it, and and you know, how can we force our kids to be more independent? So it's it's really cool that you just intuitively were that type of parent, and I love the system that you guys had. So temperaments. Uh, well, first of all, since I have done this for a while, <laughs> I can pick up on a temperament pretty quick just in a conversation with parents. Um, but I have them fill out a temperament test. And that's something a sleep consultant created many years ago, someone who's actually passed away. Her name is Tracy Hogg. And I, I just have them fill this out. And each of the answers they give me, not just the summary, not just the results, the each answer to each question tells me a lot about a child. And I don't think that kids have one temperament or even two. It's it's a, just and what their needs are. Uh, so, like I said, the, the quiz helps a lot. Each of my clients fills that out, but even on our first conversation, I can I can tell them a lot about their child. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's amazing that you just intuitively know so much about kids. But I guess it's because you, like you had said earlier, you had like a lot of experience, like 30 plus years of experience of working with children, not just your own, but, you know, raising, like helping to raise other kids in like a daycare setting. Is that right? Yeah, in my own home. It's interesting how we just can have intuitive gifts, though. I think everybody has them. Um, it could just be different because maybe people have these talents in the business world or in finance or medically, you know, whatever their, their chosen career is, a lot of people will develop skills and, and intuitive gifts for it. And, and and as you said that about my daycare and raising my kids, that's exactly what I was thinking was it came to me pretty naturally. And in the first couple of years of my business, as I got very challenging cases, I really felt almost in tune and connected to children. So I have this sense of being able to understand what they're feeling and what they're going through as they develop or tease. And so I've explained to parents what the child's feeling, what they need, and you know, when they're teaching them to be able to fall asleep on their own, which is a big part of the work that I do, just giving those skills to be able to fall asleep in a crib or to be able to fall asleep with no one in the room in a happy, healthy way, um, it's really helpful for the parents to understand what the child's feeling so that they aren't as frustrated or, I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain. But that's one of my gifts, and I'm I'm grateful for it because I've, I've helped a lot of parents just feel so much better and more compassionate and more patient and loving, and it just gives them the strength they need to go through these first few years that, that can be really tough. Yeah, I think it's important for parents to remember that putting your child to bed isn't just like another task you have to check off of your list. It's like an important event for the child. They're they're being separated from you and, you know, while you might really need that time separate from your child, they don't necessarily want that time separate from right. you. Exactly. And they're actually built to be with you and you're built to be with people too. Everyone is. It's just the way that um, it's, it's our nature to want to be together. And so it's not natural, really, for kids to be separated by their parents or from their parents. And um, I work with people who co-sleep. I work with people who want their child in the same room. That's probably the more popular one. A lot of people who, who co-sleep want their kids out of their bed <laughs> when they come to me. But in the same room is still acceptable and good, especially in that first year to prevent kids. So 
it's just a different world, I guess, than it used to be. It used to be that most people wanted to sleep in separate rooms and there's quite an emphasis on that, but it's becoming more popular. Well, actually, it might just be that people are talking about it more, that they've been sure. Because <laughs> that's been looked down on and frowned on and people are just talking about it more, I think, now. Yeah, I think people are talking about it more. You're right. Because we, I think a lot of us were raised in the the cry it out kind of mentality. But, um, you know, with my own kids, that gave me anxiety when they were crying. It it made me more anxious. And then they they felt it. It's kind of like, you know, when, when you see like a dog like approaches a person they immediately know whether they like that person or not. It's like babies yeah. can sense that too. They they can sense your emotions, even if you're not aware of what emotions you're displaying, you know? Yeah. And so it was really important to me to always be calm and like very centered, you know, and quiet around the kids, at, you know, when they were babies, because it helped them to be calm and centered and a little yeah. quieter you know, and so it just made everything easier for all of us. Yeah. And some of my clients have really, really tough cases where it's, it's exhausting all day long. They're they're working super hard to get their child to sleep or to take care of their child. So one of the first things I have them work on is exactly what you're talking about. Using affirmations, trying to find that peace, you know, breathing exercises, whatever they can do. And they need to be working on that, especially when they're feeling anxious, especially when they're triggered. You know, oh, it's the time's coming. I'm feeling it. You, you, you can probably relate. <laughs> Absolutely. I just start repeating the affirmation and it makes such a difference. I get emails from people the first week. Just so grateful for those exercises. And they're not new. And, you know, a lot of people already do them. But when you have a new baby and you're in survival mode, you know, it's easy to slip off that. <laughs> any any type of self-care wagon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So can you describe to the listeners, what's the difference between sleep training and being a sleep coach? So th- th- I think there's a very important distinction here that people need to understand. So can you describe that to us? Yeah. So when I first started in my work, I didn't really pick up on a negative message. When, when I said sleep training, I didn't think there's anything wrong with that I think it depends on you and what you've read and and heard or the groups you're in some people just think of that as generally we're just trying to help baby sleep better but there's a reputation it usually means cry it out or fervor which means there's some form of leaving baby to work it out on their own leaving baby to cry Um, I think it's more popular now to use time checks which is what fervor is and that means you're exiting the bedroom and coming back. You're repeating that, and there's timed allotments there. It's 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 not following your instincts or listening to your heart. It's very much watching the clock. <laughs> and I, I'm laughing because any advice that you're given that tells you to shut off your intuition or your instincts is not good. So it's problematic because we want to always stay in tune with the child and with what you're sensing and what you're feeling and it's not that we should respond to all the anxiety or all of the fears that we have when we're taking care of our children we should probably work through those but you parents have a a gift of intuition and instinct and that should be listened to because nobody else has that gift and that power to understand your child or their needs or the experience of getting to know them which takes time but you're the expert on your child so you just you got to listen to that. And then, um, so what I do as a sleep coach, and a lot of people use sleep consultant or sleep coach. It's not sleep coach that um, necessarily differentiates sleep training or not. Um, I just use sleep coach because I really care about the people I work with, and I want to give them as much insight that helps and tools and help them with the self-care side and the um, – parenting struggles or any of that. And so the difference between a sleep coach and a sleep consultant for me is just, you know, investing more, caring more, and a better experience for the client. But back to the sleep training question, um, what I focus on in my work is keeping the child 
peaceful and content, helping them love their room and feel absolutely safe there and learning to trust their parents and, and not be afraid their needs aren't going to be met. We make changes that are very subtle and we take our time and that could still just be two or three weeks. A lot of times it's more like four to six to eight weeks with the type of child that I work with because <laughs> they're very difficult. Um, and then the other thing I have a holistic approach mostly. So we're checking every box of all the things that are natural that improve sleep. So I hope that helps. Hope that wasn't too much. So you had mentioned the word Ferber and I've never heard of Ferber method okay. before, but to me, it sounds like the TV show I had seen a few times. I didn't watch it often because it, I actually thought it was horrendous. Um, mm. It's called Super Nanny. And yeah. I think she was from like Britain or something. She had an accent. Yeah. Um, I don't know who this gal is and I'm certainly not trying to bash her, but I had seen her show a few times and I thought that is so cruel the way yeah. that she would have the mothers like just sit in the doorway of the child's bedroom as they're crying in their crib, mommy, 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 you know, things like that. And I would, it would just really break my heart. And I, I thought that was very cruel. And so I never watched that show. I did what just fell intuitively right to me. I rocked all of our children to sleep and then I'd put them peacefully in their bed and hope that they stayed sleeping. Sometimes they woke up when I laid them down and we'd start the process over again. Um, but it was, it was a process that we went through. And then, you know, when it was in the toddler bed, I would lay down next to them and then, you know, kind of slither my way out once they were sleeping. Um, yeah. it ended up working for us. You know, eventually they, they all got to the point where they clearly are, are, well, my kids are 21, 18, and 14. So obviously they don't need my help going to sleep anymore. So eventually yeah, it all worked no. out. But um, I found my own intuitive way that felt very loving and caring, you know, to me. So I didn't like that super nanny approach. Is that what Ferber is or is Ferber different? I really don't know what Ferber is. Well, I would say that cry it out is more like super nanny approach because they really truly tell you to not go in the room between seven to seven or eight to eight. Just, you just leave that baby alone. <laughs> it's kind of crazy to me. And then it's also put it, put in your earplugs, you know, just put a pillow over your head and, and baby will figure it out. And that's not even true at all because like the super nanny approach, Ferber, cry it out, all of those methods or approaches were created definitely for parents before there was, any research done on what children need to thrive, how to raise them, you know, how, how does responsive parenting benefit a child, how does neglect <laughs> or ignoring needs um, affect a child. They had not done research. So it was really just this, you know what, this is what works for parents. This is how we get kids to sleep well. It's so outdated now, but it's also still so popular. I, I, I believe that Cry It Out and Ferber are still popular because all the doctors, all the friends, all the family are still pushing it. But also, there are children out there that are so laid back, so easygoing, so regulated. Their nervous system is so healthy that they can seriously look around the room for like two minutes and just zonk out. Just sit in a, a car seat and be looking at the room and fall asleep on their own. Or just kind of rhythmically move their body some way or suck their thumb and just fall asleep. So if parents are using one of these methods and baby cries for two minutes and then sleeps great forevermore, then why not? So I'm actually not a complete hater, <laughs> but I just know that there's so many children that are not like that. It, it's, it's really awful because some people will push this while their kids screaming and crying for hours and hours at night for weeks. And there's people in a Facebook group or a sleep consultant telling them, just stick to your guns, it's going to work. But what that means is we're actually harming these little ones because they're not able to comfort themselves until they're four or five years old. And that's when those coping skills start developing. You know, your comfort and your support actually helps them create those neural pathways to be able to comfort themselves one day. And so there's just a million benefits to being the responsive, comforting parent so that your kids can be healthy emotionally and mentally later. It's just, 
it's really kind of messed up that this stuff's popular and that people don't understand. It's it's not a one size fits all um, solution. So it sounds like the method you developed, sweet slumber, is more child centered. What does the okay. child need? How can we help the child? Versus like the cry it out is let's help the parent. What does the parent mm-hmm. need? Is that is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yep, it is exactly. I actually named my approach baby centered. I'll probably get a trademark on on child centered as well. But um, it's it's also mom centered because I want them again to listen to their intuition and their instincts and to understand. That's so important. And so I'm also mentoring and shaping the mom's beliefs and helping her really understand her child's needs, which is so important. You had an intuitive gift for just, you know, number one, you listened to your intuition, but number two, it was strong and it did, it did, it served you all, right? But a lot of moms don't trust that or they don't listen to it or they're listening to everybody else so much. And they don't even know that they have this gift or they haven't started developing it, you know, and mm-hmm. they're listening to all their fears and all the rules and all the things that they've been hearing and reading. And it's really messy. So other than that, <laughs> it's very baby centered or child centered because I, I believe kids wake for a reason. Sometimes they do develop strong habits and associations. And so that's kind of a last resort thing to work on those. But I really do teach moms and dads to just do what feels right with the rocking and the holding and um, responding the way that they feel best at night. I just give them a little bit of guidance on that to help them encourage independence, but always meet their child's needs. Yeah, I think that a lot of people are taught to not trust their intuition. We are always taught to look for someone else in authority to tell us what to do. So like going through school. It's always teachers, it's principals, it's even the school bus driver. It's, you know, the policeman on the corner or, you know, whoever is helping us through the crosswalk, you know, like these are the things we learn as kids to always look at someone else in authority to teach us what is right and what we should do. Right. So we are Mm -hmm. like automatically taught to not trust ourselves, to not let our own internal knowledge come out of us. But I think that's so important for parents to understand you are the best authority on yourself and therefore your child. It's your, you and, you know, your spouse, you have this child together. So this child is a product of you. So of course you are the authority on it. Why would you look to anyone else to, to tell you what to do? So internally trusting what you feel is right for you and your family, for you and your child like the, just it just boggles my mind how many people don't trust themselves. Yeah. Well, and you know, babies and young children are completely intuitive, completely instinctive. They do not listen to logic until they're in school, and then in school for so long their entire you know school career they're taught to listen to logic, and they need to be teaching kids about intuition and instincts in school because it's so important. But unfortunately, that's not the case. And so by the time we become parents, logic is, I mean, it's not only what we lean on, but it it seems to be what everybody puts importance on, you know. And I actually heard um, a child development slash, I don't know if he's a neurologist, but a brain expert, a neuropsychiatrist. His name is Daniel Siegel. He talked about how um, little children... I think their logic starts to develop at like two. And so the first couple of years, if you as a parent can listen to your instincts and your intuition and be in tune with your child, you're going to be a very successful parent because that's the way that children communicate and understand the world. So you have to get on their level and respond to them in that same way. Does that make sense? Wow. Yes. (laughs) That makes so much sense. (laughs) It's huge. Like that is the key to being a successful parent of a young child is listening to your intuition and instinct and being in tune with them. And th- they've studied so much now. We know that that's how secure attachments are formed, being in tune with them. So letting, um, letting them kind of guide playtime, showing them we're present and we're really spending time with them and we're connected 
anytime there's interactions, all of this even helps them thrive. It's there's so much to know. It's fascinating. I love it. So immediately what came to my mind and this might be a bit of a long story. I will try to shorten it. But when you're talking about being in tune with your child, I feel like because I was in tune with my children and especially the stories about our youngest who is now 14, um, I think I saved his life. So when he was three, the kids were zipping around the yard and the driveway and we, we live in the country. So it's a, it's a dirt road and a dirt driveway, you know? And so the kids are zipping around in this uh, golf cart. So the oldest was 10. The youngest at that time was three. And like golf carts don't go very fast. They're just, you know, riding around the yard like country kids do. And the little guy fell off and he hit his head. So, of course, I go over to him, scoop him up, you know, hold him in my lap in the lawn chair I was sitting in. And, you know, he's got some dirt on his head. So I take him in and wash it off and blah, blah, blah. Give him a bath eventually. Give him some Tylenol. Lay him down on the sofa. He's watching cartoons. He seems fine. He's playing with his tractors, whatever. You know, we go about our business, dinner, bedtime, all that. And then in the middle of the night, he wakes up crying and of course, I go into his room and I and I pick him up and take him out to the living room and I'm rocking him. And I looked at in his eyes and his eyes looked a little bizarre. And then he threw up on me. And I just knew something is wrong with his head. Yeah. So I had yelled to my husband back in the bedroom, come out here. We need some clothes. We're going to the hospital. So I took him to the hospital right away. They did a CT scan on him. He had a brain bleed. So there was, there was no bump coming out of his forehead because it was internal. Oh my gosh. I thought it was a concussion. That's so serious. Yeah. It was a brain bleed. So when he fell in the driveway and hit his head, he apparently had maybe hit a little stone or something and it caused a little bit of the skull to fracture off. And then it, and that little tiny skull fracture cut an artery in his brain. Oh, so he had an internal brain bleed. And so we got a really fast ride to a larger regional hospital where he had neurosurgery in the middle of the night. So the other two kids were still sleeping. They had, yeah, they had no idea any of this happening. You know, I was with him the whole time. Um, you know, in the, in the ambulance, the, the, um, personnel, they were like trying to, you know, look at me and wonder what's wrong with me because I was so calm. I wasn't a hysterical mother. I was calm. I was like, I know something's wrong with him. You know, he has a brain bleed. He needs a surgery. I wasn't hysterical. I was very calm. It kept him calm, you know, like the whole thing was very calm. And I think because of all of that, I think he, he survived and, and well, in fact, I know that's why, because the surgeon had told us then if he had been sleeping, then the rest of the night, he would have never woken up. Oh my gosh. So I know it was just yeah, it was that motherly instinct, that intuition, yeah. trusting yourself and and saying, my kid needs some help. I, I don't know what's wrong here, but something's wrong. You know, so I think then that was a long story and I was hoping to not yeah, make it so long. Awesome. <laughs> but I'm just trying to impress upon the young mothers that are listening that you know your child best. Yeah. Don't let anybody else tell you what to do with your child. Yeah. And if they tell you these blanket rules about not going in. This is what I tell parents. What's more important, your child's well-being or like their future well-being or the sleep? I mean, sorry, I know sleep's important, but their well-being and their emotional health, their safety is so much more important than sleep. Exactly. If, if I you was know, three, if I had woke up and and rolled back over, oh, just let him cry it out. He'll be fine. He'll go back to sleep eventually. You know what? Yeah. I would have found a dead child in the morning. Yeah, but I, I trust know, I'm to scare people, but this, yeah. this happened. This is real. This is the exact example that people need to hear because I, I actually um, have a series on my podcast called What's Wrong with Old Fashioned Sleep Training. And my point is not to make people feel bad or make them scared or shame the, the method. It's really I'm, I'm interviewing experts who understand what children need to thrive and 
as I do that, I'm just hoping to educate parents so that they can make the right choice for their child. Really, that's all there is to it. But I met two women who remember Cry It Out. One of them remembers it at 18 months, and the other one remembers it as a child, like four years old. And the one who remembers it at 18 months, she says, to this day, she sleeps with the covers up to her nose, and she's terrified in the dark. And she's like 40. And the other one, um, her, her mom must have used it repeatedly, and that's why she remembers it around four. She says that she grew up without this sense of, I can lean on my mom, I can turn to my mom. She didn't. She didn't turn to her mom. She didn't bring problems to her. She wasn't real with her emotions with her mom. She masked them and just didn't trust that her mom was there for her. Well, that's so, so sad. So there's, there's different effects. There's different things that we want to avoid. The one that the lady, the younger, the one that was younger was cried out. She explained to me that we get in the habit of not responding and we can't control it. So we might think, sorry, I don't know what that was for. We might think we're just going to ignore the night cries for sleep, but then we find ourselves ignoring their needs during the day. And that's another risk. Interesting, huh? Oh, so interesting. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah. I I mean, I wonder sometimes what's what's the purpose of ignoring the child? If they're crying, if they're coming to you, clearly they have a need. So if you are ignoring their need, what message is that sending? can bless the child or hurt a child. Yeah, people worry about things like, I'm teaching my child that I'll come, so I'm not going to because I don't want him to be spoiled. I don't want him to, to demand that I come. And I'm like, no, that's not, that's not right. That's not, that's not going to help. not going to be any good. So there, interestingly enough, I was part of old school thinking in raising my kids. So my oldest is 24, my second one is 22, and I didn't remember this until recently as my son and I were processing things, but I started remembering that I would let him cry because I was exhausted, and I was, like, I just didn't know what to do with him, and he was, like, probably 18 months or two, and I I remembered him standing at his gate just crying and crying and crying, and me just sitting on the couch covering my face going, I can't do it, I can't take it. But this is a, a child, or sorry, adult, who has a lot of mental health problems. And I know it's not all my fault, and I know there's some genetics involved and some other things, but because of the struggles he's been through, I feel so much stronger about supporting kids and being a responsive mom. There's there's nothing that's too much. We, we can't do enough to support our children. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, I feel like as a mother, that is my number one job above anything else in the world is to support the children. And I've had to say that to my husband before, too. Like, I'm here for them first right now. And, you know, you're, you're going to have to be second. That's just the way it is for, yeah. for this period of our lives. They need me yeah. more because you can understand what I'm what where their needs yeah. are. They don't always understand. So th- they come to me because they know mom, mom is just caring. Mom is comfort for them. And so that's why they come to mom. Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. Unfortunately, it also means that we come second often. (laughs) And so it takes a lot of work to make sure that our needs are met, especially if you have a really challenging child or challenging situation. And there's little ways to work in that self-care, you know? And so I think it's really important for moms to understand that their kids needs absolutely come first when it comes to, you know, what I was feeling, what I was going through that night. It would have been so much better if I'd gone back and just held him. Just hold him. Just be there. You know, people don't want to co-sleep. You know what? If it's temporary and your child is, is just suffering and they don't want to be alone or they don't want to be put down, it's temporary. Just 
find a way to, to do it safely and get someone like me to help you, you know, work your way back out of it if it's lasting too long and it doesn't seem like they need it anymore. But that type of, of support and, and uh, care is just a beautiful, beautiful way to help these kids thrive. And so it's just really worth it. And I just went on like two different topics with that. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so earlier in our conversation, you had just briefly mentioned a few of the suggestions you give to moms um, to help like settle and calm themselves, you know, in preparation for getting ready for bedtime. It was like, I think you had said maybe using affirmations or doing breathing exercises. What other tips, you know, do you give to parents, not just for bedtime, but, you know, just for helping to raise babies and young children in general? I think so much of it has to do with the understanding part, the insight part. So empowering them with knowledge, what one first step is giving them resources to understand the nature of babies. So understanding how long it takes for them to learn how to comfort themselves. That is so empowering. Understanding what kids go through. So the development and the teasing and growth spurts, all of that, how it affects sleep. And then some tips and guidance on you know, when the schedule's out of whack, when the child skips a nap or fights sleep, what, how do you handle that? Um, and then the last one would just be understanding those temperaments is huge. So just understanding the difference between children, like I said earlier about the really easygoing ones and the ones that are def- definitely tougher. For example, I'm starting to work with someone later today whose little child has to be, sorry, baby, newborn, has to be swayed back and forth or fed to sleep or she'll be awake for seven or eight hours. Mom feeds her to sleep whenever she needs it because otherwise she will not go to sleep. And seven or eight hours is a really long time for a baby under one, honestly. It's, it's, it's for a newborn, that's insane. And so she's dealing with a lot of the colicky episodes, you know, and lots and lots of crying because this baby's overtired and feeling terrible. So, you know, you can't compare your child or yourself to someone else whose baby will just sit there and fall asleep looking around the room because it's just a completely different game. It's a different challenge. So I think that's really empowering too, because then moms aren't so hard on themselves. They don't feel like a failure. They don't feel like it's their fault. They're not as angry at their child or blaming them for how they act. They just understand this is my child's temperament. This is who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, re- I just had a flashback of swinging one of the kids in a car seat when we were at like a holiday party because this baby was so overtired and overstimulated. I don't even remember which kid it was anymore. Um, But (laughs) the only like the, the child would not settle even, you know, in my arms with rocking or anything like that because it was just such a loud and, you know, bright environment, you know, different somebody else's house even, you know, so just the kid, the baby was clearly uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable, you know, and so I remember putting this, the baby in the car seat and swinging the car seat back and forth, you know, like a swing to get the baby to sleep because that was the only thing that would settle that baby at that time. And so like instantly I'm thinking, okay, young moms that are listening right now, set your boundaries. All right. If there's going to be a holiday party that you're at, that's going to inhibit the usual like bedtime routine that you have with your baby, then just opt out of it this year. Say thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. But, you know, we we need to sleep to or keep to the <laughs> sleep schedule. Like pri- you need to prioritize your family and your child's health, your mental health. Like I was clearly at my wits end. The baby was at their wits end. Like Boundaries, people. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. It was just miserable for you, so there's no point, right? (laughs) Well, then, you know, then we were all, like, messed up with our schedules for the next couple days. So, like, what was that really worth it after all to make someone else happy that I came to their holiday party and then make make myself and the baby miserable for the next couple days? No, thank you. (laughs) No. So, so that's a really, really good situation or scenario to bring up because people – a lot of people out there just like to be without structure. They like to just 
move on a whim and when they have children depending on the child's temperament some kids can work with that seriously i've met people whose babies were flexible and it worked for them but it just makes me laugh when i run into the situations where parents haven't changed and they're coming to me saying you know our nights are awful my child's up till one in the morning and then sleeping till 11 and i you know I got to go back to work, whatever situation. Um, it just makes so much sense that you, you need more structure for a baby, for them to thrive, for them to sleep well. So what I tell parents is when it comes to those outings, you have to just be real. Okay, if I'm going to go do this, it's probably going to be a pretty bad night. Baby's going to be up a lot and we're going to be up at like five in the morning tomorrow, whatever the situation is. Just be real and weigh your options and decide if it's worth it to you because bedtime is not the, the thing where I can teach parents to be flexible or give them those tips and tricks, you know, like how, how can I still go out three times a week? <laughs> how can my family still go out three times a week? That's not possible. It's not good. So it is something really important to try and have the same bedtime and, and those routines are really important. So it sounds like you're pretty dedicated to those. Well, it was my job. I mean, honestly, I was a high school English teacher for the first few years that we were married and had young children. Um, but then eventually one day I just realized it wasn't worth it. I was paying other women to raise my children and I was dropping them off at daycare and they were crying, mommy, no, mommy, you know. And then I'd go in and I'd teach 15-year-olds that don't care about Shakespeare. And <laughs> so it was like, is this worth it? You know, so I quit teaching to stay home and raise our children. And so that was my job. My kids were my job and I did take it very seriously. And I feel like because of that, we have such a good relationship now. And I'm not like on a soapbox here saying, trying to say I did it all. Obviously my husband was, it's a really good parent too. And he was very helpful all along, but the main child rearing did fall on me for many, many years. And I feel like that's why we have such a close family right now and you know we all get along so well and we're all very comfortable with each other and our home is such a safe and relaxing and and happy and warm calming place is because i invested those years you know with the kids and and i feel like because of that that's why we're so strong now and and i know not everybody has that option i understand that and i you know i'm not trying to say our family is better than anyone else's i just feel like i did what i felt i needed to do for our family and it worked out yeah that's wonderful i love the way you describe the bond that you have and the way you feel safe and comfortable together it's really beautiful yeah yeah i think we do have a really close family and and I love it. And I look forward to someday, you know, our, our kids finding significant others and having families of their own. I mean, I look forward to expanding our family and, you know, just growing that love. And so I'm curious with you having one grandchild already, have you had to help with sleep coaching? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I wanted to help them in the beginning, but um, my daughter-in-law is very determined to do it all on her own and to prove herself and I'm not knocking her it's just how she felt and um so so I had to actually hold back quite a bit and not give advice unless it was asked for and that was so hard for me with the experience that I have oh my gosh it was so hard but eventually I want to say he was like eight months old or something maybe it was six but she came to me and said help <laughs> And it happened a few times because when they go through regressions, that's when they're developing. It's really normal for babies to wake up a lot and need a lot more support. That's just because of how they're feeling. So, yeah, I've been there for them. <laughs> and he's sleeping really well now. And he's, he's 16. Well, he was. He's in another regression. But he's 16 months. And they get some really good months. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Well, it hasn't followed my program exactly. It's been more like pieces of advice here and there. Yeah. But still, that's great that, you know, she wanted to try it on her own, which kudos to her, you know, trust yes. your intuition yep. as a mother, you know. Um, but then when she felt like she needed some support, she knew where to turn to. 
Yeah, and my son, I think he probably has asked more than she has because he does a lot of the night duty, which I think is really cool because I, I was like you where I did most of the caring myself. And that mm-hmm. is exhausting. So good for them, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know <laughs> there were times that <coughs> I I had really hoped or wished that my husband did more, but also I was understanding enough to know that because he as a farmer works really long hours, you know, out in the barn or out in a tractor in a field somewhere, you know, when he comes in at night, he's exhausted too. We're all exhausted, you know. So it was like trying to weigh my exhaustion level against his. A lot of times I felt like he's probably more exhausted than me. I can handle this and I'll I'll be a little more calmer with the children, a little more patient. And so, you know, I took on the night duty, I think, a lot more um, than I would have liked to. I would have, of course, I wanted more sleep, but <laughs> but yeah. I took on the night duties um, because I felt like my exhaustion level wasn't as bad as his and I would therefore be more patient with the children in the middle of the night. So that's just what I chose to do myself. Yeah. And the situation with, you said you would rock them to sleep and then transfer them, right? Is that what you did when they were babies? Yes, that's what I did. I'm glad you brought that up because there's so much pressure on women to do things the same way as others. You know, you're not supposed to rock your child to sleep. You're not supposed to feed them to sleep. You're supposed to teach them independence, but that is not a need. There's even shaming out there that if you don't teach your child independent sleep, that they're going to sleep terrible and it's your fault. So I, I like to just tell the world that no, that's not true. There's lots of babies, lots of toddlers who sleep great when their parents do that. It worked for you. They may not have slept perfectly, but babies and toddlers aren't supposed to sleep perfectly. That's unnatural. And uh, so I just wanted to give you credit again for following your instincts and your intuition because it really paid off in your family. And I'm here for people who that's not working for them anymore. It's not working for the child. The, The sleep is is really challenging and and the parents are trying different things and nothing's working. And, you know, or people who want to be proactive and they are worried about sleep and they, they want help, you know, as they go through it instead of waiting for the problems to get tough. (laughs) So it's just important to know that babies are all different and what's best for your family is what you should stick to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So one thing that I want to ask you, um, since this show is called unsubscribed What is one thing that, and I think I might know the answer, (laughs) that you would tell parents of babies and young children that they, you know, maybe want to consider unsubscribing from or something maybe that you as a mother of five, you know, something you unsubscribe from when it, when it comes to child rearing? Yeah. Well, I've definitely talked a lot about these things that, you know, I, I believed in some of the same stuff of leaving kids to work it out on their own when I was a young mom and didn't know better. Um, so I know this isn't news to anyone. That's why I unsubscribed from, but there's a lot, there's so much that I have grown to understand in the last six years from this work. And probably just number one is listening to your heart and your gut. That's the most important thing you can do and turn off that logic when it comes to this child rearing and baby rearing um, is not going to serve you. <laughs> it really isn't. And, and that logic could be all the blogs. It could be all the voices around you. It could be books that you're reading. If it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't sit right, it doesn't match up with your parenting style or what's in your heart, then absolutely unsubscribe from that. Yep. That's exactly what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> it didn't even come to me until I was saying it. <laughs> I'm like, who knows what I'm going to say, but I don't. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's definitely something that I've talked to other young mothers that have come to me just for coaching for other issues when they, they speak about like problems that they have with you know, their children sleeping through the night and maybe not getting help from their significant other and whatnot. It's like you, I always tell them, you are the authority on yourself. You know what, what to do here. Why aren't you trusting that? Trust yourself. You know what to do. It's in you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I remembered something that came to mind while you were talking about your situation with your husband. It's funny because 
sometimes getting dad involved is the key to helping babies sleep better. (laughs) It's just such a funny thing to say after you're like, that just didn't work for us. I mean, a lot of people who they don't have a choice and they are the only caregiver. Maybe they're single, maybe dad's always gone, or maybe it's because of his work, whatever. But over the course of working with people, we, we managed to get dad more and more involved in the care of baby. And they experience this beautiful bond that grows. And it's so thrilling and brings so much joy to both the mom and the dad and the baby too. And then at some point, we try to get dad to respond at night. And a lot of times that can eliminate a lot of waking. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the go-to. And it's for moms like you and I, we don't, we just don't think that way you know we think i'd rather do it myself or it's easier this way or i want them to rest (laughs) so i just wanted to point that out to some people who may be really really struggling with sleep that if you can get him involved or your significant other involved then it's worth a try because it's almost like a it's a beautiful dependency that babies have on their moms that can be a codependency because they're i don't know they're almost just so hooked or obsessed with the boob or whatever it is it's it's a last resort, you know, to to not offer that to a child. But I know the temperament types that that turn this way. <laughs> yeah, no, I think with this. <laughs> that's, that's very very good advice. Absolutely, Dad should be involved. Yeah, and I think the reason I chose not to, and he did, he did help, you know, through the night when when I was just at my absolute wit's end, exhaust with exhaustion. He did help. Um, I think primarily. I chose that because he doesn't work like a nine to five. You know, a farmer doesn't have a nine to five where, you know, you, you clock in, you go to an office and you clock in and you're out early. Yeah. He's up early. He's working late. Like you don't, you don't just clock out. You work till the job is done, whatever hour that may be. And so um, I knew how important sleep was for him because there's a lot of farming accidents. And I was always nervous. Like if he's, overly tired, you know, because he was up rocking a baby and he hurts himself tomorrow, you know, then, then what would I think about that? You know? So that was kind of the choice that I had made, but I absolutely agree that dad should be involved when they can. And in fact, I know a young couple that has four children just had um, a newborn a few months ago where mom works and dad is is the stay-at-home dad. And they yeah. their kids are thriving. They're a beautiful little family and they are fantastic and I love them all dearly. And so yes, dads being, you know, caregivers is absolutely yeah, amen to that. Yeah, I know. I'm running into that more and more too. It's so so fun to see. So can you give our listeners just one last bit of advice, maybe something that you haven't touched on yet, or just, you know, maybe reaffirming something that's really, really important. You think if, if there's just one piece, one little nugget you want um, a mom or a dad listening today to take from our conversation, what would that advice be for them? That is a really hard question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I am thinking about, how important it is to have that perspective that the young years are very fleeting. They're very short, even though it can feel really long, especially in the middle of the night or weeks or weeks in a row of tough nights. It's just so important to keep that in mind because for me, it went so, so fast (laughs) from the time I became a new mom to a grandma. It was only like 20 years, which is insane. (laughs) It went so fast. And I wish I could go back and experience it again. I wish I'd go back and do some things over and we can't, we just move forward and we do what we can to help the next generation. But that perspective of just knowing it's short term and temporary can really carry you I think that the early years as a parent are the toughest, even though when I was raising my little kids, people told me all the time it was going to get a lot harder and that it was going to be a lot more stressful or serious as as uh, when they were teens that I should enjoy this time. When I was pulling my hair out and going out of my mind and had no time for myself and, you know, I just felt so insane. It's, it is the toughest time. And so remembering that it will go so quickly and before you know it, your older children or child will be doing things for themselves and and you'll just feel more like yourself and have find more time and 
and be de- dependent on less and right don't you agree <laughs> oh absolutely that was that was a piece of advice one of my older cousins gave to me when i was a young mom and having trouble potty training our daughter who's our our middle child we have 3 you know so she's the middle one and my cousin looked at me and she said barb she's not going to poop her pants forever. She's not going to be going on dates at 16 and still pooping her pants. This is, it's going to be over someday. This will end. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this will end. I, I, I'm going to cling to those words, Carol, this will end. <laughs> yes. It sounds so cliche guys. So I'm really sorry for going there, but it's just really true. <laughs> yes, it is true. I do miss the days when, you know, I would rock the, the kids or, you know, they were little four-year-olds coming up to me and just wanting to snuggle on the sofa watching cartoons. Or whatever. Like, I, I miss those moments. And I, I do wish I had cherished them more. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. I think that's what I was getting at. It's just be in those moments. Be in tune. Even if you're up in the middle of the night holding your little one and you're so exhausted, try to tune into how special that is. That they depend on you. That you can be there for them. And be that magical cure that they need because it's really amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. I 100% agree. All right, Meredith. So uh, we should wrap up here. How do you um, suggest people find you online if they're interested in learning more about you and what you've been through or the services you offer? Like, How do people find you online, um, social media, all of that? So I would send you to my podcast first, the Sweet Slumber podcast, because I am sharing the most important and different, unique information there and a lot of this insight that I've referred to. And there's a sleep temperament quiz that I have that you'll find on my podcast in the notes. And that's really insightful too. My website is sweetslumbertime.com sweetslumbertime is the other (laughs) keyword that you need to know for my Instagram, my Facebook Um, so you'll find lots and lots of information in all those places, lots of help free resources something that you touched on in the beginning is that I have a sleep coach school and I actually mentor sleep coaches who take other programs too and my podcast is going to start talking to people or talking about that as well So you can follow that situation, I guess, development. But I'm offering a a coupon code for 10% off of any of my programs. So coach training, sleep coaching for parents. uh, And the the coupon code is just unsubscribed for 10% off. Wow, that's fantastic. I'm so thankful that you're uh, willing to offer a discount to the listeners for anyone that wants to take advantage of this. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. No yeah. problem. Awesome. Well, Meredith Bruff, it's been fantastic having you on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time out to come and talk to me and just divulge all of this wealth of knowledge that you have. And I look forward to um, getting this information out there and for people to get engaged and for parents to be helping their children to sleep better and just fostering that more caring and and loving environment for for young families. So this is just fantastic. Again, thank you so much for being here today. And listeners, I will talk to you in the next episode. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. For more of my content, you can go to my website, barbaraseaman.com, and also my Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest pages. And remember, to get my content delivered right to your inbox, you can sign up for my emails by going to my website homepage. Now here's the legal stuff. This podcast is not intended to diagnose any medical problems, or recommend any medical solutions. This show is presented merely for educational and entertainment purposes only. I'm just your friend, chatting with other friends, so please seek help from a qualified health professional for all of your healthcare needs. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 